Welcome to the show. What is the show? Simply put, the hosts arrive each episode armed with elaborate and convoluted theories. They and their guests share and discuss back and forth until one theory reigns supreme. There isn't actually a winner or a loser, it's just a fun game between friends. Still unsure on the rules? Well, please, let me explain. explain. I'm your host, Emily, and my shirt makes me look like an e-boy. And I'm your host, Morgan, and uh, I have funny pants that look like an accordion. Um, on this episode, we watched Star Trek, the 2009 film. It was very good, and very 2009. Yeah. You remember when J.J. did lens flares? I wonder if he's still doing that. J.J. did what? The lens flares. That's all he's doing. The lens flares. Day. I thought you said JJ did Let's Players, and I got very intrigued and a little bit excited. I'm sure he did at some point. Oh, well, he did, did have that thing in Fortnite for the new Star Wars movie. Anyway. Could you play as JJ in Fortnite? You could play as JJ in Fortnite. I'm a little disappointed now. I was really hoping that actually wouldn't be a thing. God damn it. Yep, All right. Yep, you could play as JJ in Fortnite. Fuck. I hate that. Uh-huh. Well, I guess we should start with our theories and our show yes we probably should um for a short rundown of the film before we get to it star trek 2009 is the reboot of the star trek film franchise star directed by jj abrams starring chris pine zachary quinto and carl urban and probably quite a few other people um Mm -hmm. there was a lot of people in this movie it was there were a lot of people in this this movie um if you haven't seen it uh there will be spoilers abound so let's get started Emily, would you like to tell us your first theory? I would actually love to start with my first theory, and that is that Vulcans actually can't bend over because their spines are completely straight. Uh-huh. Now, you might be you might hear this and you might go, Emily, Emily, that's fucking stupid, to which I say yes. But it's also true. I want to take you to the to the kind of beginning of the movie where we first get to meet Spock. You know, it's nice normal Vulcan kind of schooling. His mother gets called a whore. But the important thing is you never see one of the Vulcan boys bend over. All of them are standing in their little half-dome education pods and, you know, completely straight back, arm behind, holding, kind of clasped like a military general. But the thing that I notice, none of them ever bend over, except for Spock. We do see Spock bend over slightly when he is pummeling the shit out of the one kid who insulted his mother. And that's because he's a half-Vulcan. So, I would like to posit my theory. Simply put, Vulcans cannot bend over. They have sort of a genetic stick up their ass, if one might put it that way. So what you're saying is being half-Vulcan gives you the ability to have a spinal cord. (laughs) Yes, uh, but only only somewhat. Uh, they have like less vertebrae uh, than us humans, but but they are you know if you're a half Vulcan you can actually bend over slightly. Uh, one of the I think that's one of the reasons actually why people are 
sort of afraid of Spock or consider him sort of a, like, he's a genetic monster, uh, he's a freak. And it's because one time he was walking along being a normal kid having a snack of like some tortilla chips or something and he dropped one he went oh no my tortilla chip and he bent over and picked it up and nobody had ever seen a Vulcan do that before and they were terrified from that day on so with your theory what you're saying is that Vulcans are the most direct species I would like to retract my theory from now and forever, and I would like to use a Men in Black ray to wipe that from my mind. I hate you. <laughs> okay, that is a good theory. Um, Vulcans are known to uh, tilt their heads quite a bit. Do you think that um, they still have vertebrate within their neck? I would think so, but they only really use it for, like you know, very much, like, seriously nodding at someone or, like, turning their head to look, you know, kind of in a kind of in a cool way off towards the distance, uh, or to lean down and, like, read a book. But that is it. That is about all that they do. For drama, of course. They're genetically predisposed for drama. But that's about it. That makes sense. So, um... Is, do you have any other supporting evidence on this uh, particular theory? Or is that kind of our theory for today? Yes, I do have a little bit more supporting evidence. When uh, Spock is reprimanded, he's sitting on the bench outside the proverbial principal's office. Uh, you do kind of see him. He's sitting a little bit awkwardly, but you can tell his back is bent just a little, just a little if you look closely. And so when his father sits down next to him to be like, son, I'm a Vulcan but I have some control over my emotions. Look how old I am. Uh, you actually can see that he's still kind of sitting exactly straight up. Uh, the only time you ever see a Vulcan who's like bending over or their back isn't in the correct position was the time we saw a Vulcan get smashed by a giant Vulcan statue when uh, their entire planet was being destroyed. And then he was sufficiently flattened more than bent over. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, he bent over, but, you know... Of course, the Vulcan legacy came on back down to, like, flatten him back out, make sure he was okay. Which did kill him, unfortunately, but it was a nice thought. Understandable. But yeah, I, I know that you uh, only have the one theory, I so I was thinking... I actually have two theories. Oh, you do? You do have two theories? Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect. Then would you like to regale me with your theory? Um, my first theory, this one is the more absurd of the two, so I'd like to start with it, is that um, Nero, the villain of this film, both of which involve Nero, by the way, um, Nero is a big fan of the hit movie Star Trek from the 1970s, or the 80s, I don't remember what Star Trek is. It's not Star Trek, Star Wars. My bad, they're two star films. Nero's a big fan of Star Wars. Because his plot is kind of Star Wars. When you think about it, he does have a planet-killing weapon, and his solution to do that is to blow up a planet of one of the major characters in the film. In fact, the second, the secondary protagonist of the film. After that, he decides to go, up, go and blow up the fleet base. You know, like the rebel base with the Death Star. He wants mm -hmm. to blow up the, the uh, Federation. Why does he want to do that? I don't fucking know. His motivation is a little vague on that one. It seems like he wanted revenge on Spock, but now he's killing Earth for some reason. I guess he just wanted to do the Star Wars. So what you're saying here is that in, in the world of 
Star Trek, the movie Star Wars does exist. Yes. I'm saying the movie Star Wars does exist, and not only does the movie Star Wars exist, Nero decided he was going to do a Star Wars. Because for some reason, the plot of Star Trek 2009 is kind of a Star Wars. So perhaps, you know, we are so far into the future that Nero decided to look back at this cultural icon from very far back into the past and simply decide, ah, I will do that. Yes, that's my in-lore justification. My actual theory is that J.J. has seen two movies. Hmm. Star Wars, the original film, and E.T. Yeah, I would would possibly even say that Nero perhaps worked to help create that fulfilling prophecy uh, that, you know, he knew James Kirk would also be an enemy of his. And so he decided when he went back in time, he went, oh, that's his dad. I'm going to kill him so that we have the poor orphan boy who lives in a large kind of desert area and spends a lot of his time alone. Thus, James T. Kirk is a child. Boom, we have that. So now he doesn't have to deal with Kirk. That's a good point. And actually, that leads into my second theory. And my second theory is entirely in more. And that is that Nero was a member of the Federation. Mm. Prior to his the time star, as a the Star Trek Apple, Federation, the Starship, the Star Trek Federation, which at the time of um, the point in which Nero exists within his own timeline, Romulus and the Romulans have um, made a treaty with the Federation in a movie that no one wanted to watch. Um, <laughs> but that means that Romulans can be in the Federation. The thing is, is Kirk is not super relevant to Romulans. He was, like, extremely instrumental in the, uh, like, treaty between the Klingons and the Federation, but, like, he had, had like, two run-ins with the Romulans in his entire time charting space. So, why is it that a random Romulan miner knows enough about Kirk to determine that Kirk was a great man of history? He has to know a considerable amount of Starfleet's history to know about uh, the man who captained the Enterprise before it was the fleet's flagship. Well, maybe he just likes reading. Maybe he just likes reading, but, like, why is that Federation history known to everybody? That's that's Kirk. He committed, like, a considerable number of, uh, what would you call them, prime directive violations? His work was exponential, uh, exponentially important in building the Federation, but, like, not to the Romulans. So why does this random Romulan, who is a minor, apparently, know about Kirk? He has to have had some, like involvement in the federation he also knows that the federation at this point in time was strong enough to stop his ship from deploying the red matter um on earth unless he gets their security codes which is why he uses pike to get them so with that in mind he had to have known a considerable amount about the federation that the federation weren't just going to tell anybody so he had to have been in starfleet he eventually clearly went off to go back to the Romulan Empire and became a miner, helping um, mine for the Romulan Empire, hence his ship being a mining ship, I guess. But at the time, he may have at some point been a member of the Federation. Hmm. And one could even say that, you know, his his desire to go back to the Romulan Empire and begin working with them uh, could, you know perhaps stem from a deep-seated nationalism uh, that's been kind of entrenched in his very being by the Romulan Empire, thus, you know, would explain exactly why he also decided to 
destroy everything else and all of the other planets like Vulcan due to the Romulan planet being destroyed. I, I would also concur. In fact, um, I may even say that he is a Federation historian, given the fact that not only does he know a considerable amount about Kirk, he knows about Spock's position as a um, member of the Starship Enterprise. And yes, Spock was also instrumental in all of these events on the Starship Enterprise. However, Spock's most relevant involvement to the Romulans is as the ambassador. So the fact that he knew that Ambassador Spock was once a member of the Starship Enterprise is interesting. I would very much agree. Now, that is wonderfully thought out very well done, extremely creative. And the only thing I have to say to that is that uh, James T. Kirk is allergic to food dye. Okay, where'd you get that one from? Well, let me explain. Let me set the scene. You're James T. Kirk. You're a fun-loving, ragtag dude. You don't pay attention to a lot of things. You don't play by the rules. You cheat in the simulation, and you know what? Your ass gets canned for it just a little bit, so, oh no, now you can't go into space to be with your friends and your buds and get killed in space. So, your old pal, James McCoy, is like, I'll help you out. I'm gonna give you this, like, tick flea disease from this one planet, and then basically I get to decide to bring you along onto the ship. So, when we go into Bones's like, into his area, his doctor's office. What do we see but a ton of little glass vials everywhere of these different colored liquids? Now, I want to point out, none of them are in any sort of refrigerated area, any sort of enclosed safe space. They're just out and about. But when we see the, like, hospital nurse's area on the Starship Enterprise, Guess what? There's not little glass vials everywhere. There's not random colors. The only thing that it has in similarity with McCoy's office is that there's lens flares. So they're obviously refrigerating all of their, like, vaccines and different chemicals that they need to keep safe somewhere else. So Bones just has a bunch of stuff lying around in his office. And what I want to think is that after a couple of years being best buds with James... You know, he's going to figure out, oh, he's got a little bit of an allergy to food dye. Maybe he hasn't noticed it yet, but I'm a smart doctor boy, so I would notice. So he maybe, I don't think he's going to always have access to just this, like, tick disease. So he injects him with a little bit of food dye. And, you know, there's all the normal stuff, sweating, swelling, though I don't know if you can lose sight in, like, your left side from food dye, but I'm going to assume perhaps future food dye or future allergies could make that happen. So he gets injected with that and thus that's what happens. It wasn't any sort of like like tick disease vaccine that he gave him or anything like that. It was just food dye. Have you considered the possibility that it is a refrigerator they're in? What do you mean? Like they go into a refrigerator to get the vaccine. Are you saying that McCoy's whole office is a refrigerator? That does seem to be what it looks like. Hmm. There is even, like, cold air blowing in the room. 
That's an interesting theory. What if McCoy lives in a refrigerator? What if he lives in a refrigerator? What if he's Maybe a little he runs ice a little boy? hot. He's a little ice boy from the ice planet. Little that chilly uh, man. Spock. He's a little chilly man, and he likes to make chili. He's lived in the South his whole life. Maybe he just wants to be cold. <laughs> you know, when I am getting over my like fear of flying, and I go to the Space Academy, you know, I decide... I'm finally going to do what makes me comfortable and I'm going to live in a refrigerator. Cuz like he has a whole he has a whole desk in there. Mhm. He he does have the desk in there and he sits down James like on a spot. So he he's at least he at least takes patience into his little fridge office if he has that there. I know I know my original theory was about James T. Kirk being allergic to food dye, but I really like thinking about the fact that McCoy lives in a fridge. Yeah, I do think that's probably that's very interesting. It would make sense as to why he has a whole bunch of vials out, and why he doesn't know that Kirk is having an allergic reaction until they get onto the starship. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he gives him the injection uh, to kind of like clear it up and make it all fine, but no. That, that, like, it, it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't react well because, you know, he gave him something for the tick disease instead of for food dye, and he didn't realize it yet until, oh, no, his hands are swelling up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's my second theory. McCoy lives in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. That's well, my third theory. <laughs> oh, damn it. You snuck one out from underneath me. Yeah, I pulled it out from under you like a fi- like a frying pan. I'm very good at my job. I would like at least point two five, like I like I like I would like a quarter of a of like a point, uh, as I did help you come to that. Conclusion. I'll give you half credit. So okay, thank you. I will uh, send the proper uh, requisite forms to uh, request those. Yeah, I'll make. Uh, you can talk to my lawyer. Uh, I'll make sure to mm-hmm. inform my lawyer. Um, Hey, Sharon, make sure to not pick up any letters. Wait, your lawyer is Sharon? No. I have, wait, no, Sharon's my lawyer. Who? All right, then. James T. Kirk was cursed by a witch at a young age. Huh? James T. Kirk, little young misfit boy, somewhere in one of his adventures, we didn't see it on screen, but it happened. He pissed off a witch. And she cursed him. And do you know what she cursed him with? Can you guess for me, Morgan? What? She cursed him to die falling to his death. Okay. And you might think, Emily, where did you get that? Consider this. He's cursed for it to happen, but he can stave off death if he's quick enough. But eventually, he will die falling from his death. One of the first things we see happened to James T. Kirk is he is driving a stolen car that he took from his shitty dad and he drives it off a cliff but he jumps off but still he finds himself dangling off the edge of a cliff but you know he pulls himself right back up totally fine you would expect that to happen he was driving the car way too fast now let's cut a couple a couple miles above the surface of Vulcan itself there's the platform on the mining laser. What happens? He lands on it, slides his ass off, 
but he manages to hold on. He gets up, and in the ensuing battle, what happens? He gets knocked off again. Sulu has to save him, protect him, defend him with his life. The whole time, James D. Kirk is hanging off of this mining laser platform. Once again, the curse comes back at him. And, very important thing, that happened the first time he landed on it, and then he was slipping. He wasn't paying attention, and it got him again. That's what happened. And finally, we're going to change this scene to the Romulan ship. He's there, he's fighting Nero, and guess what fucking happens? He's dangling off the edge of one of these platforms. Yes, the entirety interior of that ship is an OSHA violation, but once again, he is hanging off death below him. So I want to say, what would cause that but a witch's curse? I have a question for you. I have an answer, maybe. You will not have the answer for this. This is a hypothetical question. Don't you think if he was cursed for something, he'd be cursed in a way more ironic? For instance, perhaps he died with a bridge falling on him? Bridge on the captain? Hmm. Well, I would say that he never knew his father enough for that to be sort of an irony thing. I mean, there is a captain on the bridge, so a bridge on the captain. <sighs> mm-hmm. But there is, there is one thing. If a bridge falls on him, then, like, that's it. That's one and done. That's not fun. You can't make a movie out of that. Boom. Welcome to Star Trek. Here's a small little boy. Boom. Bridge. He's dead. That's not Bad as fun. Bad news for you. Bad news for me. Okay. They I'm made ready. a movie out of that. That was the thing that happened. Next time we're watching a movie that I know all about, fucko. <laughs> yes, my next th- my theories for a movie I don't know about will be something like um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is important to the movie. Um, Ooh. I don't know. Okay. I... Well, I mean, if you can figure out a way to put Yu-Gi-Oh! in, I'll give you double points. There's of no course. points. I d- are you just you giving, are you points. are you deciding points arbitrarily? Are you giving yourself random points just because you like your theories? No. Emily, do I have to call Sharon? Well, you can't see what I have in the Google Doc, right? Emily, do I have to call Sharon? Actually, I'm already on a conference call with Sharon right now. Hello, so... Sharon. Would you mind helping us out? Sharon, can you hang up on Morgan and talk to me only? Sharon. Sorry. Sharon hung up. I have Sharon on retainer now. (sighs) Alright, fine. I'll call your boss. Hey, Kevin. Wait, who's... who's, Oh, it's Kevin. Oh, God, it's Kevin. (laughs) Kevin? Did Kevin talk about Emily's, uh, you know, uh, malpractices at work? I think she is not a team player. Can you ask if Kevin got the gift basket that I sent him? Oh yeah, Emily wants to know if uh, you got the gift basket she uh, accidentally sent to you. Um, those were did not he, actually did for you. Did he like the cheeses? Those those were not for you. If you ate the cheeses, um, she would like some money back because of that. Oh, okay. Kevin wants to speak to you, Emily. Oh. Oh, oh God, I'm getting a call. You're getting a call, Emily. I'm actually getting a call right now. Oh no. It's from an unknown number. Well then you better not pick that up. I'm gonna hang up. That's that's <laughs> Kirk Star Trek. He wants to have a talk with you. Oh, thank goodness. About um his oh. next theory. 
No, food. no, yeah, he just said it. He just said it. He's allergic to food dye. Oh, see, um... And he says, I've... I've won... I've won the game. Oh, you are arbitrarily defining the numbers. That's fun. That's really interesting. See, I have another theory. You have another theory. Which is that Captain Pike has been rooting for Kirk this whole time. His intent, even from the beginning, was that Kirk get the Enterprise. Because uh, the only thing that happens to Pike in this entire movie is he gets mind-controlled for a bit. So um, the fact that later in the movie he is promoted to Admiral and also is unable to fly to captain a ship because he's promoted to Admiral seems like he totally knew that he was going to get promoted to Admiral. Which is why he definitely promoted Kirk to first officer, so that Kirk would more easily become a captain as quickly as possible. Because there's no reason to promote a, 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 a cadet who's currently under court-martial, the first officer, but he did it. Mm -hmm. So I think Pike, who may, or who may just really, really like George Kirk, decided to promote James Kirk to first officer, so that Kirk could easier be, more easily become a captain of a starship, not the Enterprise, because he promoted Kirk to first officer, not to Spock's position as the previous first officer and now acting captain, However, he wanted Kirk that position. And when he got Admiral, you know the first thing Pike did? Give Kirk that chair. That's true. I do definitely agree that Pike was like, he's rooting for James the entire time. Is it weird that I call him James? Is that too familiar? Most people call him Jim. Ah, Jim. There's something I've been wanting to tell you. Uh-huh. A, a deep, a deep, dark secret that I've been Kevin? keeping from you for years. It's about Kevin. Uh-huh. Kevin and I have been corresponding for years now. Uh-huh. We've been great friends. We've gone on fishing trips together, and he just sent me a fancy little letter, and it's got Kevin's theory on it. Are you ready? Are you ready for Kevin's theory? Yeah, you better open it up. The entire USS Enterprise has an entire sub-crew of singers who do the vocal chorus music during battle. Are we going to have... Are we, I have to ask you this question before we proceed. Are we going to have this theory about every single time that the soundtrack goes apeshit is that there's somebody in the background just singing it? And so it's diegetic music, not non-diegetic music? I cannot make any promise. Like, are we going to get to Star Wars and we're going to be like, yeah, so you know the duel between Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Dark Mark? And his 20 friends. Yeah, and his 20 friends, the chorus of singers. <laughs> yeah, the chorus yeah. of singers, all singing about Cola and Fanta. I'm going to have to re-listen to that song now, but I think you are very much correct on that, on that little part there. Yeah, they're singing about Cola and Fanta. They want to know if you want Cola or Fanta. So my theory. Uh-huh. Imagine this, if you will. The USS Enterprise, I think, because we haven't been shown enough, we don't have an entire full tour of the entire ship itself. We see a lot of shots of people running down hallways, turning, and then running down another hallway and another one. I would say there is an entire section of sub-corridors, hallways within hallways. There are all of these people in these purple Star Trek outfits. They're purple and instead of like a silver trim, they're like a golden trim. Mm -hmm. A little bit sassy, a little little show-offy. 
little high school musical theater. Little dramatique. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, what did you say? There's like 5,000 people on this ship. No, I said there was closer to 800. Okay. There's like 800 people on this ship. I think there's 40 secret people. An entire choral group. The Starfleet and they are spread. What was that? The Starfleet Acapella Band. Yes, it's the Starfleet Acapella Band. And there are as many sections and groups of them. And basically, it's like, oh, the ship's going into battle. Mark, we're going to need you to get over there. We're going to need you. You've got that great A-flat that you can hit. We need you to get in there. I don't know if an A-flat is good or not, but it is the first music term that came to my mind. So, we've got all these hallways, and you got your 40 people. They're throughout the entire ship. They're spread out. And when one of them sees through their little secret peephole, and they go, oh, hey, looks like we've got, like, a battle beginning. Then they'll call all their buddies, and everyone quickly runs on over, and then they activate a button, and over the intercoms, this, like, vocal chorus starts playing. Because here's the thing. We only see this when we see shots of the ship. Sometimes it's interior shots, but it's mainly, like, them in space, doing something epic, flying away from a black hole explosion, anything like that. So what I'm saying is that they know stuff's going down, it's time to sing. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I already offered my thoughts, which is just, are we going to do this every time? We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll bring this back to me, and I'll uh, have to call Kevin again. It's not copyright infringement or, like, plagiarizing if it's my own work. That's a good point. It's just, it, I'm just calling Kevin to inform Kevin how mad I am at you. You're already on thin ice after the fact that you uh, apparently caught that uh, fish he was trying to catch. <sighs> this is what you get for catching his prized salmon. Listen, I love that fatty salmon taste. It's delicious, you and I did not want to have him. it. I'm sorry, okay? You know what? Speaking of fish, one time after a fishing trip, Kevin and I, oh, we went to the crab That's shack. Great, I'd love to hear this story. Here's my theory. The Milky Way's uh-huh. gonna die. The mil- Star Trek The Reboot franchise exists, but won't later. Mm-hmm. Because they have technology that opens black holes places. Black holes are the center of galaxies. You just opened a new black hole in a middle in a random spot in the galaxy. You have just fucking ruined your galaxy. It's gonna eat your galaxy. They have managed to cause problems on purpose by opening a black hole in the middle of fucking nowhere. In the middle of a galaxy. Now you have competing black holes in a galaxy. That can't go well. But didn't the black hole go away? There's no evidence it went away. Ooh, there's no... And there's no evidence of the the secret acapella group in the USS Enterprise, which means if I want to keep... They got sucked theory, into the black hole. No, they were on the USS Enterprise. No, they that's were okay. why they were so loud during that scene, is they were being sucked in. <laughs> no, well, there's no sound in space. <laughs> yeah, except the acapella group. You know, I'd like to talk more about Starfleet's genetically engineered super oxygenated coral group i'd love to talk about them but unfortunately they were sucked into a black hole (laughs) i mourn for them i have to call their families after this oh god 
Oh yes, that's actually my final theory, and it's not a theory. I'm a member of Starfleet. I'm currently uh, investigating you as to whether or not you will be providing this information to uh, out outside uh, sources, in which case um, we may have to have a talk with you. Wait. Is is Kevin part of Starfleet? No, Kevin is, uh, Kevin, Kevin was never real. Are you, wait, are you Kevin? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Wait, he was never real? Yeah. Hologram? No, he, he's, uh, one of, uh, the androids in Starfleet, uh, a sibling of Data, uh, his name is B4, uh, has been uh, pretending to be Kevin this whole time. Sharon is also one of our operatives. Oh! Wait, but I have a couple legal battles that are like pending right now. Yeah. Is Sharon not going to be able to help yeah, me out with that? Yeah, you're kind of there. Well, I think that was a wonderful battle of wits and wonderful convoluted theories. I think we really grew and expanded the world and the lore of Star Trek 2009. Currently, right now, uh, Kevin is pounding down on my door with all of his android fury. And I am scared. Oh, that's definitely not all of it. There are more robots coming? No, just if that was all of his fear, your door would have gone already. Oh. Oh, well, that's good. Well, it looks like Kevin and I are going to get to hang out after this. Do we have any final thoughts, Morgan? Uh, yes, we do have a couple of final thoughts. Um, I'd just like to say really quickly that it's been wonderful knowing you, Emily. Well, my final thought is one simple word. Fear. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. It's been fun. I'm gonna die now, apparently. Live long and prosper. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm.